Hello and welcome to a special midweek 55-1 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine, sitting all alone by himself in a basement. And on the phone is Alex Schieferdecker. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing good. We were we were going to record this last night. You were in Minneapolis, and uh, you were at the game, and uh, and I had brought my equipment and everything, and then I realized I didn't have a uh, a wind screen, and so the whole pod, all the recording was going to be terrible if we did it. So I'm sorry yeah. that we couldn't do a, a live in in person uh, recording. Well, yeah, them's the you, breaks. You probably got more time with your your friends in Minneapolis, though. So. That's true. I got a better seat at the fireworks. Yes, good for you. We're ne- right next to Jerome Tison. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> no, next by to the Jerome Tison. He's he's trying to give Alvbug a, a run for his money on best um, Instagram follow. Yeah, best Instagram follow. I I don't know yeah. what it is about um, uh, uh about these kind of uh, happy enjoyable uh foreign players who come over and decide i'm not sure how how we kind of track these guys down but they're really enthusiastic about being in the united states and that was like especially clear on july 4th which is it's kind of funny and you 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 know it's it's in that pablo campos mold of of uh guys who kind of really embrace the kind of moving to this place and being really excited Mm -hmm. about it and doing so in a in a public way that kind of Fans love to see that. I love to see that. You yeah, see I, that. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, so we are. Uh, we did a podcast already this week. I did it earlier this week with Dan Hudeman, uh, f- who's the president of Minneapolis City, joined by um, Kyle Eliason, who is uh, editor of our NPSL coverage. So do go check that out if you haven't already. Um, and because we've already done this one this week, and uh, you know we have lives to maintain or pretend to maintain. We're just going to do kind of a zipping through. We're just going to talk about Minnesota United. We're not even going to take many breaks. And uh, you and I are just going to start with the two games that we have to talk about, which is last week's 3-1, you know, boot stomping uh, loss in New York City. Um, Were you at that game as well? I was at that game two in a row. Whoa. I I have not seen the Loons win a game this year. So the problem might actually be me. Yeah, and uh, you and I went to cheer on Harrisburg City, and they lost then, too. That's so. true, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you, man. Um, <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, my uh, let, let's start with this, which is Minnesota United go up early with this uh, shot from long distance from Johan Venegas. Uh, ball gets parried, and Christian Ramirez is Johnny on the spot and puts it away. But after that, it it was uh, it was kind of all NYCFC time and and uh, kind of a, a, a thorough demolishing by New York City. Uh, this wasn't a surprise, though, right? No, New York City are a really good team, and we, you know, we've been increasingly depleted as we've played a bunch of midweek matches in a row, and we've had people leave for uh, international duty, and like way too many people get hurt randomly. Um, so it's been tough. We're, you know, always sort of shorthanded, and uh, and New York City are a really good team. I mean, we never looked in control. Even when we when we scored, it was like a shock. Um, um what, what was great about the game is, is that it had that kind of breakneck um, chaos that sometimes we do actually really well in, mm-hmm. but but it's it's such on a, on a knife's edge where it's it's those times where Ibsen's running crazy and there's just spaces opening up in both sides. 
and so, yeah, eventually New York City was going to, uh, you know, sit back, watch what was going on, and then just exploit it. And they did. And, you know, um, more striking to me than uh, than anything else was that Heath was so upset about the loss uh, he really ripped into the team, and it's not the first time he's ripped into them about their away performances. Um, and the team held a, like a team meeting after that game. Yeah. Um, which? It, well, go ahead. No, I, I, I mean, I, I was just, I was surprised by by all of that. I mean, they they have struggled, but you know, as as we talked about in our mid mid season review, and then also David Martin, David Martin had that really good piece uh, last week as well. The team isn't doing that badly overall. It's pretty middle of the pack in terms of expansion. And many of the reasons, there are many decent excuses that are some of, you know, self-inflicted, such as having no depth and things like that. But, I, I mean, I, I, I certainly, even though I'm, I'm critical, am not panicking about the team. I, that's So I, I found that no. a little surprising. Right, and I think that, the, I mean, um, the match, you know, a match against New York City is not... I I absolutely did not expect to win the game. Um, I was when we scored. I was like, okay, if the only way we win this game is by holding on and and yeah, for um, dear life, yeah. and for holding on for dear life, and, and for a while we looked kind of decent at it. And, and the goal we scored was a real mistake by Eric Johansson, their goalkeeper. So there was always the chance that he was going to gift us another one. Um, yeah, but watch, I think watch out though. Marius Rovdi will come come to his defense. If you can talk <laughs> too much, he'll show up in my basement suddenly. Yeah. Well, I think that it was, I, I was not a game that I thought we were going to win, and so I personally wasn't too broken up about about losing it. I mean, I think the the worst away games were the the game against Salt Lake, the game yes. against Kansas City, and the team responded. By playing two of their best games of the year uh, at home against Portland and Vancouver, they responded well to those to those losses. But um, the New York City game was sort of an odd, just seemed an odd one to get really mad about. But hey, you know, if the team, well, we'll get into the the game this week. Yeah. But but I the, mean, my, my other responses to it were um, uh, Jerome Tisson had had probably his worst game uh, yeah. as a loon. He, he was really dreadful, and you know. Uh, when David Villa is is uh, you know boxing you around the ears and, and flicking your ears and and throwing shooting spitballs at you, it's it's hard to uh, keep yeah. your cool. Um, he he and the David Villa's goal was beating three of our defenders. Uh, Venegas was the only one not beaten by that, and that's because <laughs> you know not for want of trying. So. Uh, yeah, I I think Tisson had a bad game, and you know the the person who came out of it the worst was Miguel Ibarra, who I thought I don't know it's it's now been almost a week, so my brain is a little scattered, but I thought Ibarra was all right, um, had a couple decent moments, you know, but was no no worse than his his lowest moment, which I think he you know he has I think. You and I have criticized him for for kind of mediocre levels of play, um, but Heath came out out after that game and before this game, and he was you know Miguel was was specifically called out and he was benched for his kind of lack of of effort, which was very surprising to me, particularly because there have been other players who have thrown private or public hissy fits. Uh, you know the the most public one was Johan Venegas. And they still get played. And there are other players, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Molino, which we won't go into, uh, but who do not get that treatment when they act that way. And so 
you know, uh, I I don't know. It, I think it, that one was a little bizarre to me. I, I mean, the, when this team is, seems to be successful, uh, it often seems to be that uh, it's successful because Kevin Molino has had a bad has had a good game. I'm sorry, and but the last couple games he's he's not played well. Uh, this New York City game, and then the one we're going to talk about against Columbus. Um, and I think that there's no doubt that he's sort of, you know, one of the players who's known Adrian Heath the longest. Um, but I've been frustrated with his play. And I think that, I think that it is certainly possible to criticize Miguel because he has lacked a bit of a, in the New York City game, I think that he lacked a bit of a cutting edge. He lacked a bit of aggressiveness, um, going forward. And, uh, but I think that, you know, that's what, that's really what Kevin Molino's job is. And so when we think about the attack sort of struggling, um, it, it comes down on Johan, it comes down on Kevin, it comes down on Miguel. Uh, but I don't, I haven't seen one of those guys particularly more at fault than the other, uh, when, when we've played poorly, like that New York City game. Yeah, and so let's let's move on directly to this uh, Columbus match, which is uh, you know it was at home Fourth of July. It was hot as hell. It has not really been that hot yet this this summer. And man, I was I was uh, dying having been at a, a barbecue with no shade earlier in the afternoon, and and then coming to the match. Um, and uh, Columbus crew rested quite a lot of guys, but Minnesota started this match with one fit center back, and that was Joe Greenspan, who has only played one match for Minnesota United. And, and that was an open cup match. That was an open cup <laughs> match that he left injured. Um, he did play the whole 90, and uh, just briefly to talk about him, I thought he had a pretty good match. Yeah, he was uh, fine. I thought, you know, I, I'd give him a... a uh, six, six and a half. Um, he had some awkward clearances with his head early in the match where he sort of, he wanted to clear it further and just popped it up. And I was like, oh God, you know, because that's, why that's he his wearing a, specialty. a soft uh, Peter, Peter Check helmet. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, every time he headed it, I was like, oh, please, please. But he was, after that, he was very good. And, and so just to, you know, what you were leading into, this game, we had one fit center back, and so Heath did what I think he had to do, basically, which was play all four of the available fullbacks. Um, so we had uh, on the left, instead of a left wing, uh, Ismailia Jome. Um, we had uh, uh, Justin Davis inside of him. Joe Greenspan was the anchor. Uh, to his right, Jerome Tiasson. Uh, and to, to the right, uh, on sort of the right wing, uh, Kevin Benegas. And I thought it was actually, like, the, the one goal we allowed was not their fault, really. It, it, I thought it was actually surprisingly effective. I mean, it, you know, I thought that Jerome Tisson especially was, yeah. was absolutely lights out. And, and what was amazing about Jerome Tisson, uh, he, he was fantastic. And both he and Davis, and Davis is not as good at this, this is not what he does well, but both of them were heading very deep into the midfield, you know, mm-hmm. pushing very far far forward and um and that that i thought was really effective i thought tison in particular was able to to break up quite a lot and it made me think like oh man if we had the proper players like if you had calvo as that left center back um tison as that right center back uh you know a coleman as the the anchor or something like that you know a version of that maybe even taylor in there because i do think taylor is is a pretty decent option you can play um, that formation 
You can, but the problem is you don't have a left wing back. Venegas did okay, I think, as a right wing back. Um, he had he yeah. had some problems here and there, but uh, he's never been particularly great at crossing. But we also don't play with targets, you know. Yeah, that's. And, I think. And, I think. I think there's been a lot more criticism warrant uh, the, the, to Venegas's crossing than has really been warranted. I think that the real problem is that we are not a crossing team. Like we do not have uh, a, an Alan Gordon yeah. type player who you will, you know, or Kai Kamara, who you just sort of put the ball up and he'll get it, you know, once every two or three games. We don't have that kind of player. We are best playing through the middle. And and that's probably the biggest strike against those wingback formations. Um, well, and and the the real problem. So we, let's actually keep going. Sorry, stay stay in the back. Ish Jones started where Miguel Ibarra would have done very well as a um, wingback, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was Jones was not good. Um, eventually, in the second half, half he had a couple better moments. He had that one really good run uh, where he just kept on going, and players, you know, the, he seemed to lose the ball, and then suddenly it, it magically popped up uh, at his feet again. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> but he was he was just missing basic passes. So so was Justin Davis, unfortunately. And both of them were just they'd just pass it, and it would just go out of bounds. And that happened, you know. In most of the games that that either of them have played in, that has happened. And I, I do have to say that Justin Davis's chest control is the best on the team. Chiseled structure. Oh my god! There were he trapped several difficult long balls perfectly on his chest, and he trapped it in a way that allowed him to keep running forward. So I think the the two most impressive individual things in the game were Jerome Tison's one v one marking on Kakuta Mane and. Uh, and Justin Davis's chest control. Okay, that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> so, so uh, what I was going to then eventually get to is the problem we had was that the team was extremely narrow. The, the attack was um, Molino, who is at number ten, who was just going everywhere, and then yeah. Dunladi and Ramirez, both of them who were you know every once in a while they would spread out and one would would shift to a wing, but when we were defending and then countering, you had two two guys pretty central. And the ball would get lumped up to them, and it would be right in the middle. Uh, and Columbus were compact enough to get the ball out. So mm-hmm. there wasn't enough. Uh, there wasn't a, these wingers kind of opening up this space for uh, for the attack. Um, and that was and so the the chances that we had were these long balls to Christian, and he would take he would have to go. He was forced to go for the spectacular because. There was no other attacking player within 40 yards, so he couldn't pass off to anyone. So mm-hmm. he'd have to take it. And his shots, you know, were not I good. think there were three of them didn't didn't go anywhere near. Um, and that, I, I don't his really Instagram play. story today was with him and Miguel practicing shots from distance. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't really like. All of them were very difficult shots, and so there was one where he had a breakaway where he. Tried to curl it and he scuffed it instead, and that was yes. not good. That was I mean, the it best wasn't chance good, of the game. But they were all they were all difficult chances. I, I saw what you're saying about the formation. I think is is right. We weren't getting those penetrating or sort of one twos in the middle that would have given us space to take a clear shot. And I think that uh, so Adrian. So the big one of the big moments in the game came in the first half when Abu Danladi came out. I'm hurt, I think. 
Um, and Adrian Heath subbed in Colin Warner, not Miguel Ibar or Bashkim Kadri, who yeah, would have been, I think, the logical replacements. At the time, I was pretty furious about that. I'm still not pleased, but I, I have to credit the change for one thing, which is that it changed the, the, the formation. We changed from that th- five-man back line to a 4-3-3 with Jome uh, out on the wing. I think that that made something of a difference. I think that that was, it provided a different look, and it initially seemed to me like it was giving us more possession in the central areas, which was pretty surprising because I think that the three-man midfield has just been almost exclusively a, a, just a total disaster for us this year. Yeah. But I do think that with Cronin as that anchor, as that dedicated number six, um, and Warner and Ibsen pushing forward, it was a little bit more effective. When we've played that three-man back line, we have very often not had Sam Cronin in the mix, and I think that's been one of the big problems with it. So we had a dedicated number six, and then we had Ibsen and Warner pushing forward. I think that the formation change was was an improvement. I do think that at the same time that change was made, we really could have also had Miguel Ibarra in for Jome, and I think that that would have been an advantage as well. Because, and I, I guess we'll get to it, but when yeah. Miguel came on, he was electric. He was great. He had 10 minutes. And, and maybe, you know, certainly uh, Heath... It, you know, it's Heath's prerogative to feel like he needs to light fire under his players' asses in whatever way he needs. But, and so if that means not starting Miguel, you know, that that's that's it. Um, I think that that was a mistake, but sure. Uh, but not putting him in until the last 10 minutes was just insane. I mean, are you trying to send a message? What's the message yeah. you're trying to send? That Miguel is needed for us to win? And, and I don't even <laughs> think Miguel is that central to us to winning, but he was obviously so much better than Jome. And he, yeah, he was electric. And even Kadri, I think, he didn't touch the ball much, but he did, he was, and uh, he is an option. And I still yeah. don't understand why he's not being played because I do think he actually is a decent player. I don't think he is too bad. I don't, I think he's good enough to play a little bit in MLS. Maybe he's not a starter. Maybe he's not the option we thought. But why he's still not getting many chances is is kind of crazy to me, and and so yeah, I mean Miguel, we were singing for Miguel to come on in the fifty fifth yeah. minute, um, and uh, you know maybe the, Heath was just doing it despite the dark clouds or something. There, I don't know. there was a moment um, which really um, to me illustrated what Miguel brings to this attack. Um, he collected the ball. Uh, at the, near the top of the box, a little a little bit deeper than that, and it was and, and Columbus's back line was pretty set and concentrated in the box, and and it, Miguel took the ball and it looked like everyone else was sort of moving in slow motion, like he took the ball from the top of the box, just around everybody, and it was like the Columbus players didn't really even understand what he was trying to do with it because he sort of made a turn and then he just ran down the 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 left side of the box and put in a really good low cross um and he that to me really 
it, it emphasized the fact that Miguel on the ball moves faster than any other player on the team. We had some, we had like a breakaway with, with Christian. We had a breakaway with Kevin Molino. Um, that, you know, where they were really running at the defense, but they had to sort of slow it down. They, they weren't quick enough. They weren't just really able to turn on the pace, um, that Miguel did in that, in that one moment. And, and to me, you know, when you're in that, when I was looking at that game and I was seeing Molino and, and, and Christian getting these chances to run at the defense and not being able to really put on that burst of speed and do anything with it, I thought, this is where Miguel Ibarra needs to be in the game. This is, these are the kind of opportunities where he gets the ball in space and he drives the defense backwards and he has that ability to put it past you and run past you. That's what we were really missing, I thought. And, and it was, that's what he showed in the short period of time he was on the field. Yeah, we we should talk about the the two central midfielders, Ibsen and Cronin. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've been reading people talk about it, um, Bruce's uh, review of it, and other other people. And um, I thought Ibsen was spectacular. He should have been sent off early in the match. He uh, <laughs> probably will be suspended. Almost certainly will be suspended for the next match. Um, when he kind of, he went in, uh, and he just kind of left his feet and his studs were showing. He didn't really hit the player much, but, uh, it's, it's a red card and he got a yellow, but I thought again, you know, he was, he's the one who's just, he's so energetic. He's pushing things forward. Um, he's, there were two or three times where, uh, he assumed that Joan was going to be doing something and tried to put it there and Joan was three steps behind, uh, you know, three passes behind in, in his brain. And I thought Ibsen was very good. I thought Cronin as well um, had his had a, a couple moments, could have done better uh, on the goal that we allowed. Um, but he That had, was his uh, fault, if, in, in uh, my I mean, view. Well, if you watch the whole play, it starts first with Jom, who's walking. Jom mm. is basically walking when the ball is, is taken, doesn't chase the guy and leaves him, lets him go. And then Cronin, yes, absolutely, just commits way too early, too quickly, gets past him easily. And then I think um, Davis, I think, could have stepped forward as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. I would say Cronin gets at least 55% of the blame. Um, uh, but he did have that... Uh, I, I thought he is still good at putting the ball around. He had that spectacular um, curling pass in to Christian when Christian... Uh, face, facing away from the net, tries to head it toward the net. It was, yeah. oh, it was beautiful to watch uh, since it was on our end. Um, did not, obviously did not go, go very close to the net, but it was wonderful. Um, I, I thought that they both had pretty good games. I, I don't know if you if you disagree with me. I know, I, I agree. I think, that, I think that those are, I mean, those have been two of our best players this year. I think that I think that Sam Cronin will be kicking himself for for not playing his usual cautious sort of contain style on Kakuta Mane on the goal, um, and uh, you know, but but he's he's been so worth it for this team. It's hard to really get that mad um, about something like that. I, I do think that I, I you know. I, 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 I want to see Colin Martin get more minutes. Um, well, I just, Gibson's out, I, then 
it'll likely yeah, if, be, if it'll Ibsen's likely out against, be Colin Warner who gets the, I think it'll be Colin Warner, but Martin might get a substitution if we're ahead. I, I would like to see more, I don't know, I, you know, Cronin and Ibsen have been great. I, I want to see, like, other people in central midfield get some time yeah. because we do have to sort of develop other options, you know, because Ibsen is going to get suspended once or twice a season. Um yeah, I, I guess so, that I guess that sort of comes into the changes that we're, we're should, we should expect to see in this team. So we've got a, a break coming up. Basically, um, July nineteenth is the next home match. We do have the July fifteenth friendly against Atlas. Um, July nineteenth is a ways away, and so in the meanwhile, to fill the gap of our lives, we have uh, the Gold Cup coming up. Uh, I have not fully allowed my brain to go there yet, but 55-1 will be doing a preview that'll go out probably Thursday, I guess today's, oh yeah, it's got a, it's written. So we'll put it out Thursday or, or Friday morning, but, um, and then we'll do coverage of these, of the U.S. matches in particular. Uh, but I, I want to maybe hear from you or are you, what's your level of excitement? Uh, are you, or what are you looking forward to? I can't say that I'm super excited. It's like the Gold Cup before the World Cup, right? And so the, the main storylines basically are who's going to put themselves in contention for that World Cup team. Um, I think that I, I guess I, I'm, I'm kind of ex- <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of excited for Canada in a, in a weird way. Like they seem to be improving um, as a team, and and I really like players like Alfonso Davies and uh, Balu Tabla. Um, and I, I read that if they make the knockout round, we're going to see Kyle Lahren. Um, I think that they have the potential to be a pretty exciting team in the future. Um, so everyone's on the, do well. the Canada bandwagon already, um, Alex. So I'm on the new hipsters <laughs> bandwagon, which is French Guiana. So, Oh, how about Curacao? I think Curacao. <laughs> you can go with them. Yep. All right. For, you know, Dutch colony and... Most of their players, in fact, a significant amount of their players have been born in the Netherlands. Um, but many of them get a an edu- you know their their soccer education in the Netherlands. Um, I've always thought that 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 team, frankly, should be even better than it is because you know it's not diff- it's not easy to make the Dutch team. So you'd think that there would be some good players on the Curacao team. Um, so I'm hoping they I do well. Think about Guam as well. Mm. Yeah, so 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 Curacao. I don't know. Curacao should be should so be fun to watch. The the U.S. The first match is this Saturday. Um, the U.S. plays Panama, um, which is a always a a, a treat. Panama, Panama, um, a but, good team, uh, basically. Yeah. So we we will have a preview up on the website, and we'll we'll start doing more coverage of it. And obviously, this coming Monday, uh, when we record. It's going to be a uh, Gold Cup focus. We'll talk a little bit about some of the transfer stuff, which oh, you and I should do really quick. Um, well, let's let's just go through the Gold Cup, which is at the uh, yeah. on the eighth we play Panama. Um, on the twelfth we play Martinique, which um, should be a very easy victory. <laughs> um, and on the and on the fifteenth we play Nicaragua. Those last two games are are pretty. I mean, for a team of the United States' caliber and a country of the United States' size, that should those should be gimmies. But um, I think that I think that there'll be a lot of attention again played to these sort of players who are you know looking to make their mark with the team, like like a Dom Dwyer um, and uh, 
I think that we'll, we'll hopefully Kellen Acosta. We'll see how we'll see a lot of these players during during the uh, during the group stage. Do you think uh, Canada make it to the final? I don't think Canada will make it to the final. Who? What's what's the final? They'll have to. Other than um, it's just going to be U.S. Mexico. I think that it'll probably be U.S. Mexico. Okay, but of right. course, uh, Costa Rica always have the chance. Well, all right. Um, just to finish up, uh, Minnesota United, uh, the, the player news is we've got Sam Nicholson coming in. He will likely um, uh, be, you know, have his debut at that July 15th uh, Atlas match. Uh, Brandon Allen, who is a New York Red Bulls homegrown player uh, forward, he is going to be coming in on loan for the team for Minnesota United. Um, there better be and- a purchase option, I think. No way. Why would why would why would New York Red Bulls unless we're, why would we take the why would we take it if there isn't one? Because we have no forwards. We just we need to, like we need to get through this year. We yeah, can't we can't play matches like we had last week where we had no players and be like, oh well, why do we need loan players? We need loan players because we can't. We don't even have uh, the full set of substitutes. I don't know. I I I think that it's never a good deal to do. Alone, if you can't if you can't purchase the player on the end, would you rather have uh, no forwards who can substitute in, or a well, you, you, I don't know. There, you, you find someone else. There are other players available. There are no other players available. I checked. <laughs> so I no, I get what you're saying in the ideal situation, but some of the players who are coming in are going to be very short term. We just need to get through this year because we know we've got players who are who have to be headed for the exits. So, for, for example, you know, a, a second-string goalkeeper. Maybe there's someone who's going to come in if we don't believe McLean's that guy. Um, you know, there there are decisions. And then some of the, the signings we need to make need to be for next year, right? So if we bring in four guys and two of them are short-term Band-Aids and two of them are long-term, then I, I'm happy with that. I... Mm. I think it sends a bad message if you become the kind of team that just so so desperate for help that you're accepting you're agreeing to develop other teams' prospects. Sure, but it sends a bad message if you can't have a full set of substitutes on the bench, <laughs> or you know, it, I, I lot, there are anyway, lots of bad messages already being sent. So I'm I, hoping that Brandon Allen is good. He yeah. plays well for us, and that we buy his contract. You know, I, I asked I asked Mark Mark Fishkin, who obviously does uh, quite a lot of of Red Bulls coverage about him. Just why is he not playing for the first team? And he said he's he's still a bit raw. He he scored a lot. He of was goals great last year yeah. um, for the USL team for New York Red Bulls, and uh, and he's still raw. I think a lot of the goals are a, a little bit of garbage goals. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if, if we get someone in there who can. Every once in a while, give us something else, or God forbid, uh, Christian Ramirez isn't playing. If we get someone who can get a couple of goals, then that's a couple more goals than just about anyone else on our team has. In that basically. Columbus game, I mean, Christian makes like a near post run. We need someone to be at the far post. Christian makes yeah. a far post run. We need someone to be at the near post. Yep. In that, when uh, we're chasing the game like that, like absolutely, someone like yeah. him could have been very important. Having a, an actual striker, you could have brought in in Dunlady's place. So, mm-hmm. so th- there's um, more that will obviously be coming in the next couple of weeks, and so we'll be keeping an eye on that. Um, but, what are the uh, what are the positions that you're looking for? Because um, uh, let's let's put aside the, the number ten, because we all yeah, agree number ten. Right, right. But uh, we think that the team is going to spend that 
look for like a DP Argentine or something, you know, in the off season. Let, let's yeah. put that aside and just think about depth. I'd say uh, fullback and center back. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I I also well you got Sam Nicholson so hopefully he's going to fill out we do we did need to, to I want fill another out those ranks but I want another defensive midfielder someone who's a, an actually committed to being a number six hmm okay so you because I don't think Colin, I don't think Colin Warner wants to be a number six and you want someone like that someone who can back up Sam Cronin Cronin yeah okay. mm-hmm. fair enough. All right. Well, uh, we said it'd be a quick podcast, so let's uh, let's just call it a day. We did it with no musical interludes. But uh, my name is Wes Verdine. This is Alex Schieferdecker on the on the Skype machine with us. Uh, thank you, everyone, and uh, we will see you all soon. Thanks.